In December 1944, the Allies are on their way to winning the war. Following the D-Day landings, they've liberated much of Northern Europe, including Belgium. But then, Hitler launches a last gasp attack in the Ardennes forests of Belgium and Luxembourg. Peter Schrievers is a historian specializing in the Battle of the Bulge. He tells us how the city of Bastogne found itself at the center of the combat. My name's Rich. I'm British and French. I'm a keen hiker and I love discovering the stories behind the places where I'm walking. Join me as I walk in the Ardennes region of Belgium on the Liberation Route Europe. Hi, Peter. Hello, Rich. So you're a historian with a special interest in the Battle of the Bulge. That's right, Rich. Um, I've written about two books about the battle, so I am. You're here today to tell us the story of Bastogne during the war. So the Battle of Bastogne was part of the Battle of the Bulge. Why has Bastogne become a symbol of the Battle of the Bulge? Well, I think because of it has the traditional ingredients of a Western, in that, of course, mm-hmm. the town will become entirely surrounded by German forces. The American troops inside refuse to give up. Yep. And then you get a siege that lasts several days, almost a week. And then in the end, the uh, cavalry comes to the rescue. Patton's troops of the Third Army from the South move in and they lift the siege and rescue the troops inside. So... When did it all start? It started mid-December, is that correct? The the Battle of Bastogne? That's correct, Rich. Um, On December the 16th, 1944, that's when the Germans launched their big counter-offensive through the Ardennes. Yeah, the Battle of the Bulge. Yes, Battle of the Bulge. Okay, and then what happened in Bastogne specifically? Well, you have to look at it this way. The German counter-offensive was supposed to break through to the north of the attack area, and that fails. American troops manage to block that attack. Um, But other German forces find a way through around Ufalis in the center of the bulge area. And once they do that, the Americans need to kind of block off that breakthrough to the north at a town called Zankt Fiet, and to the south, rather, at a town called Bastogne. Both Zankfeet and Bastogne are major crossroads, so they're crucially important in terms of logistics, movement of troops, vehicles, and so on. Zankfeet falls after a couple of days, so the only place where Americans will be able to manage to slow down the German breakthrough around Ufalis is at Bastogne. Okay. And so that becomes now um, the key point of... American and German forces contesting um, this counteroffensive. Is this where the siege of Bastogne begins? Um, so you have the German counteroffensive launched on December the 16th. You see German forces moving towards Bastogne, but fortunately enough for the Americans, blocked off by smaller units to the east. So they waste a lot of time getting to Bastogne. And so it will take them until December the 21st to actually be able to encircle the entire town after five days. Okay, so what are conditions like in Bastogne? Well, the siege of Bastogne is very tough on those inside, both American troops and, by the way, Belgian civilians, because not all have 
fled, have been able to flee in time. And so certainly inside what happens, of course, since it's a siege and no reinforcements can get through, is that wounded soldiers, killed soldiers are not being replaced. But most of all, the artillery ammunition is diminishing quickly. Also, the 101st Airborne Division's hospital was captured before the encirclement of the town. And so they do not have medical support. And that is one of the biggest problems they have inside the town. Okay, so we know about the story of René Le Maire and the makeshift hospital and, and others such as Auguste Chiry built in Beston. So that was to replace the hospital that had been destroyed previously? Yes, it's not so much to replace it because it cannot really be replaced. So there are makeshift efforts in what are more like first aid stations. You can't really conduct any significant surgery or whatever there. But those medical forces remaining with the limited medical equipment that they still have do what they can. And they they get support from the civilian population to an extent. Among them, those two Belgian nurses that you just mentioned. So... The town is being bombarded constantly. What what exactly is it like inside? Well, it's being bombarded in terms of artillery, of course. Um, the town is surrounded by a Volksgrenadier division supported by part of an armored German division. So they have a lot of firepower and causing a lot of damage inside the town. But at the same time, the Germans who have limited air power in the bulge use much of what they have against Bastogne. And it is mostly the airstrikes um, in the days before Christmas uh, that cause a lot of damage inside the town. So it was around this period that I think General McCauley said his famous nuts, his response to the Germans' request for surrender. Yes, it's probably the most famous word to have come out of the Battle of the Bulge, nuts which is when, um, after a couple of days into the siege, the Germans arrange the request for a an end to hostilities. So a delegation goes to the town, puts this request for an end of hostilities to the Americans. They take it to McAuliffe's headquarters. He's asleep. He's taking, you know, a rest. But they wake him up and he, he kind of, you know... He's kind of drowsy and he says, you know, they can't be serious or nuts, he says. Uh, we're, we're not going to give in. We're not going to surrender, of course. And so they write down that single word on a sheet of paper and that's what they hand to the delegation saying, no, we're not surrendering. Nuts. <laughs> okay, so what finally breaks the siege? Well, what breaks the siege is the long-awaited arrival of uh, Patton's troops, that is the armor of the Third Army that begins to move towards Bastogne after it is encircled from the south. They have to fight very hard to get there. The Germans do whatever they can to block them, of course. Patton promises to be in Bastogne on Christmas Day uh, because of heavy German resistance. That doesn't work out the way he planned it, but they do arrive the day after on December the 26th. And that is when the siege is lifted to a limited extent. You have to say that on December the 26th, there's only a small umbilical cord, as it were, connecting the town to Patton's Third Army. And the conditions were very harsh. There was snow, it was cold. Presumably that 
added both to the the suffering of the people inside Beston and also to the difficulty the American soldiers had on the outside. Yes, um, the weather changes several times during the offensive. In the first week of the German offensive, the weather, it's not very cold, it's foggy, it's rainy. And then after a week, things start to change. Um, there's blue skies, but it becomes very cold. And then towards the end of December, you get clouds moving in from the north, from Scandinavia. And then you really, by the end of December into early January 1945, you get blizzard-like conditions in what is one of the coldest winters Belgium has ever known in the 20th century. Okay, so does the end of the siege then mark the end of the Battle of Bastogne? Well, that's a good question, Rich. Uh, Definitely not, because what happens is I mentioned the umbilical cord connecting the Third Army to the town of Bastogne. And what the Germans, of course, are going to decide is they won't stand for it. They're going to try whatever they can to cut that umbilical cord. So you get counterattacks from the West, from the East, um, trying to prevent that umbilical cord from being built into a broader corridor. And so there's some of the heaviest fighting for Bastogne is after the lifting of the siege, targeting the connection between the Third Army, the corridor between the Third Army and the town of Bastogne. And even later on, in early January 1945, there are again concerted efforts by German forces to get a hold of Bastogne and to prevent really American troops from using it as a launching pad deeper into the Belge area. So when does it finally finish? The actual battle for Bastogne can be said to be completely over by January the 16th, 1945, which is exactly a month after the start of the Battle of the Bulge. And is that also the end of the Battle of the Bulge? It's not the end of the Battle of the Bulge per se. battle will only end after Allied forces, American and British forces, push, of course, back entirely, roll up that salient, that bulge area. And that only happens by the very end of January 1945. So finally, can you tell me why Beston has become such a symbol of the war, both for the Americans and for the Germans? Well, I think for the Germans, it is a symbol of everything that could go wrong in that counter-offensive and did go wrong. They had a very strict timetable. It was all about surprise. It was all about moving very fast. And of course, the resistance at Bastogne slows down everything, messes up the entire schedule. On the other hand, reversely, for Americans, it is not only the resistance at Bastogne proof of resilience, but also ingenuity. They may do with what they have inside the town. And so, again, Winston Churchill at the end of World War II called the American um, resistance in the Battle of the Bulge probably the best accomplishment they made militarily in World War II. And certainly, Bastogne showed what American forces could do if they set their minds to it. Great. So if we had to just sum up what makes the Battle of Bastogne unique and what were the key events, could you do that for us, please? Yes. What makes it unique is that you have a much smaller force inside Bastogne um, resisting 
what seems to be the impossible, uh, encircled by German infantry, uh, German armor, and increasingly more and more German troops being siphoned off from the north, northeast, putting pressure on those American troops inside. But I think what makes American resistance in Bastogne unique is that it's not just the paratroopers of the 101st Airborne Division, who, who became most famous, of course, nope. But the fact that it is a combined arms resistance, there were small elements of armor inside the town, of tank destroyers, are black African-American artillery units, and all together they combined to resist what many would have said at the outside, outset of the siege would be impossible. Okay, so it's kind of a symbol of unification and resistance for the Americans. Yeah, definitely, I think. And and that is why the Battle for Bastogne, let's say, after Omaha Beach, yeah. that the Battle of Bastogne after Omaha Beach is uh, the most iconic in American military history during World War II. Great. Thank you so much for your time, Peter. And thank you for giving us these insights into the Battle of Bastogne. My pleasure, Rich. Thank you for listening to this episode. The story you just heard is part of a Baston storyline along the Liberation Route to Europe. This transnational trail connects World War II remembrance sites and stories across Europe, and it comes with its own podcast series. Check out the Liberation Route to Europe podcast to discover compelling stories, biographies and interviews that delve into the history of World War II. And for more content, go to www.liberationroute.com.